Welcome to the audio podcast for Saturday Night Life. SNL is a ministry of Northwood Church, and our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church or SNL, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us for Saturday Night Life at 7 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for this evening. Thank you, Christian. Beautiful. Um, I want to say something real quick about one of the slides. Do you mind putting the, the Celebrate Recovery one up again? Sorry, Josiah, I put you on the spot. But the reason that we talk about uh, Celebrate Recovery every week is, it is, well, as we said in the, in the notes, it is all around the world. So, like, what we have learned is that we don't always get to disciple you for as long as we'd like. So discipleship is like this journey that you can take together where you become quite close. You know each other's stories. You walk together, you're growing together. What we believe is the person you're today hopefully won't be the person you'll be next month or the month after that or, or years down the road. I feel the same way for me. I don't want to be the same person when I'm 62 as I am when I'm 52. I, I want to be growing. I want to be on this journey, Right? And so that's what discipleship is. And that's what we, we try and do. And we get to do that a little bit more on Sundays because Sundays is made up of people where this is where they live, this is where, this is where they're going to settle. Whereas some of you are, we, we've got friends in Port Alberni and you're, you're coming from all over the place. And so what we would really like is for you to plug into a church and a Celebrate Recovery group. Uh, and so that's why we talk about it. The, the reason we don't always mention churches is A, all churches are different. And some of them are more welcoming than others. Uh, if, if I know where you're going, I might be able to give you a good recommendation. If, we, if I know a pastor down that neck of the woods or whatever, I can point you that way. Um, but what I know is that the Celebrate Recovery in Victoria will be the same as the Celebrate Recovery in Tucson, Arizona, and the same Celebrate Recovery in Sydney, Australia. It's, it's the same format, and it's the same kind of methods and purpose for gathering. So that's why we push you that direction uh, for CR. And, and um, just on the note of churches, though, we've had more and more guys. Actually, I'm going to point to the three in the back, the, the back row folk back here. Um, these are some people I've known for a really long time. So this is Tim, John, and Massimo. And they're coming to us from Connecting Point Church in Port Coquitlam. Woohoo! You can woohoo that. And, um, and what we're finding, uh, because that's the church pastored by Doug and Rebecca Friesen, who you guys most of the time get to know as a part of the, um, what's the program called? Discovery. Discovery, and probably more than just Discovery. Anyways, uh, talking to Dave, and I know Jaden has connected there as well. So it's very close to our houses in Poco, or if you're just a Poco person, and that's where you end up, uh, I'll tell you, A, you're, you will be loved there. B, you will be stretched there. This is what I know. You guys can shoot me down if you're wrong. Connecting Point is not your average church. Uh, first of all, you always sit at tables, right? Yeah, so it's this, it's, it's this teaching, but then there's discussion. There's rich discussion. It's a really unique, and I think a really good model for church. But what I do know with total certainty is that the teaching will be really good and good for you and you will be loved. Uh, you'll be loved for who you are and who you can be. 
So Connecting Point is, I just kind of want to give that shout out because we've had you guys bless us for, for many weeks now. It's been months, actually, and so we thank you for that. All right, but this is all about Celebrate Recovery and now also about Connecting Point. Um, so I've, I was out in the sun again this week. Somebody's making fun of me because I'm darker every week. No, we don't have a timeshare in Hawaii. It's not that we're going away super far, but this was a very special week, and I'll share real quick. Uh, my wife is having a birthday. I don't know if I can say the name, number at all, but it's a special birthday. 50. She's turning 50. And if you look at her, you'll say, what, 15? And No, 50. And so... Um, We've been planning, we just actually realized on the way home, we've been planning this for years, um, but it finally happened. We went uh, west coast of Vancouver Island. I don't know how well you know Euclulet, but we uh, say hello to Euclulet, and we kayaked the Broken Islands for the last week. And Carolee does two things that I am not smart enough to do. She plasters her face with um, sunscreen. In fact, one morning I teased her and called her a mime because it was so thick and she was so careful. That's why she looks 15 instead of 50. And she also remembered to wear her sun hat, which I don't remember when it's foggy out in the morning. And then when the fog burns off, I'm in the full sun. And so I'm not really bright. I'm shriveling like a prune. Uh, I'll be a raisin by the time I'm 55, I'm sure. But um, we had a really good time. We were really blessed. We're literally, we haven't been home. Our car is full of stinky clothes from the week. Um, but really excited to be here and bring the word. So that's my, Steve always does such a good job of catching up personally. But um, I usually just kind of get right down to it. So now I'm going to get right down to it. This week we're in chapter 24 of the book of Matthew. But we're only going to do a small portion of it. And it is a bit of an eye-opener. Um, you know what? Last week, I don't think I did a very good job of conveying the message I wanted to convey. And ironically, last week is a, a bit of an encouragement towards grace, where this is an encouragement towards repentance. And they're both important. Last week, I made a comment, and I stand by it, that sometimes what we post on social media is not graceful. It's not gracious. It does not reflect the grace and mercy that the Father shows us. It's hard. And it, we talked about how the Pharisees, they heaped burdens on the people who were listening. They, they made walking with Jesus or, or walking in faith all the harder because of all their added rules and all their added strictness to the law. And what we talked about was God's grace is, is an easy yoke that you walk with Jesus. And he, he's, his yoke is easy. And we encouraged, we, I'm talking to myself, I don't know what that's called. I encouraged you to consider being gracious, to consider being humble, not like the Pharisees and the scribes, not coming across like you know it all, but coming with open hands and being ready to learn. And and, and really enjoying God's grace. Well, this week, we are, are talking about the, the reality of our need for repentance and our commitment to following the good king. All right, so this is still Jesus talking to the disciples and whomever will listen in these last days leading up to his crucifixion. And I want to say it again. Jesus was not about to be trapped. He was not about to be hijacked or ambushed. He knew what was coming, and he was giving himself to it. 
and he was just, this was his last agenda items before he was going to be taken and crucified for us. So let's go on. We're going to pick up in verse 36. So we're down a ways if you're reading in your paper books. It goes like this. I'm going to read this first screen, and then I'm going to pause. It goes like this. Uh, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the sun. Let's pause there. What he's talking about here is when Jesus is going to return. So not only is Jesus telling his disciples, hey, and Rose, I think you might need, be needed. <laughs> um, not only uh, is Jesus going to die, and he has been foretelling his death. He's been trying to tell the disciples, look, I'm not going to be walking with you forever or even for much longer. But now he's talking about how he's going to die. He's talked about how he will be risen. But now he's also talking about when he will come again. And this is a, a big thing that, um, that we, we won't see in the text so much. But the teaching goes like this. What we believe is that God, who is king of everything, will return as king of earth. He will come again. His son, we will see Jesus come again. And when he does, that will be it. And, and that's why there's an urgency for, for me and people like me to tell you about this Jesus because we need you to know about him because there will come a time when he returns and if you don't know him, if you're not walking in relationship with him, it's going to be too late. And this sounds so harsh. How can a God who loves us give up on us? Well, we just sang the song. And if you have, have lived, well, I know so many of your stories, and I look at you, and I'm like, how on earth are you on this planet still? After what your body has been through, after all of the things that have happened to you, or that you've done to yourself, or that I've done to myself, the things that, that I've survived, like, why am I still here? And the reason, he's, he's not done with you. There's, there's more. There's more to your story. There's just another opportunity to draw near to him, to go into relationship with him. And he puts people in our path to tell us about Jesus. And if you're, if you're thinking, well, not enough people are telling people about Jesus. It's not fair that Jesus is going to come again. Maybe not everybody knows. Well, then start telling people about Jesus. I think that's the other kind of side message there. But that first line, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the sun. God has a plan to put a period at the end of this season of life. And it's going to be done. And his son will come again. And there will be people who are walking for him and people are walking against him. And it's going to be that simple. And what this first line is saying is nobody knows when that is. So if you hear a YouTube prophet telling you that on March 31st, 2025, Jesus is coming again, you can file that under the baloney section, all right? Nobody, this, his word says, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor Je Jesus sitting at the right hand of God does not know when he's going to be sent back again. But the Father only, verse 37 for as were the days of Noah. Okay, so now we're going to make a re reference back to the Old Testament and the story of Noah, and this is the Noah and the Ark. 
Uh, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage uh, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, I'm going to pause there for a second. What he's describing is that it will be just like the people who were on planet Earth who were really going off the rails. We need to understand, like, the world seems screwed up today. The world was so screwed up at this time. Um, I'm not going to get huge into it, but there was like this intermarrying of demonic beings with human women, and like, it was messed up. And everybody was doing everything that was right in their own eyes. They were incredibly screwed up. And God said, I can't have this anymore. I'm going to wipe out the face of the earth and I'm going to start over again with this one family, Noah's family. And all those people were doing their things. They're having a great time. In fact, they're looking at Noah building an ark in the middle of this place that had no water. And this wasn't just an ark. It was like building BC Place as a boat. It was this gigantic ark that he spent a lifetime obediently listening to what God told him to do, building this ark, and they looked at him and they made fun of him, obviously. It, if you don't know the context of what God's doing, it's ridiculous. You would think he is nuts, and they're making fun of him, and they continue to make fun of him until it started to rain. And then the doors of the ark closed, and they were left on the outside. There was no second chance. There was no life preserver sent out there. So this is not, what he's describing is not something that we can kind of do whatever we want. And then when Jesus comes back a second time, we can see him with our own eyes and go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll follow you. It'll be too late. Just like in the days of Noah. Um, verse 40, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. The picture they're painting there is that like, people will be driving down the streets. Well, thank goodness for automated driving vehicles now because people will literally be leaving the scene and leaving their cars, and cars will be going off into the ditch. There will be, there will be two people working in the field, and then one will be gone because Jesus will have called them up. All right, I think that's all I want to say here. This is, this is talking about, again, being ready. Because we don't know when Jesus is going to return. We need to be ready. Let's carry on. There's kind of another way of saying this. Verse 42 goes like this. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Um, it's a simple, actually a very understandable application. I don't know how many of you have been robbed. I don't know how many of you have robbed houses. But uh, either way, you probably have a perspective. Imagine you're the homeowner. And if you knew Thursday, this Thursday at 1145, uh, that's when the thief was going to come, you'd be ready. And I don't know how you'd get ready. I feel sorry for the thiefing just thinking about this. Um, but you would be ready. But he's saying that we aren't going to know. We don't know the time. That's why a thief can be successful is because he gets in when you're not ready for it. And so 
he's not saying give up, you're never going to be ready for it. He's saying always be ready. Always be, and that kind of breaks down this analogy in the sense that you can't stay awake every night with a baseball bat waiting for somebody to break into your house. That wouldn't be healthy. Um, but prepare your life. Walk your life out. Well, actually, you know what the next part describes it even better. Let's, um, yeah, thank you. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master, master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so let's look at that part here. Again, he's talking about somebody who's been put in charge of a household. Um, I can't really think of the... the let's, let's think of a, a babysitter, an evil babysitter. Um, now, if the... I know, this is really weird. Um, yeah, okay. This is the story of the evil babysitter. So the babysitter wants to get paid, right? And so the babysitter wants to be seen as doing the right thing in front of the parents. So when they get home, they want the house to be clean, want the kids to be sleeping, everything, everything good, okay? And so even though they're evil, they will have that already because they want to get paid. But if they get the idea, that line in there, my master's delayed. So let's, let's say they are given the impression, you know what, we're going to be gone an extra two nights. So they're like, oh, I got two nights. I'm going to open the liquor cabinet and have at her. I'm going to invite my friends over, have a huge party. I'm going to trash the place. If the kids wake up, I'll just lock them to the bed and, and uh, make sure they're tucked out of the way. And then obviously, if the mom and dad come home unexpectedly, that's going to be a problem. And that's who we're talking about here. And they use the term hypocrites because they're trying to be two people. In front of the mom and dad, the babysitter wants to look good, wants to look responsible. But really, their heart is for hedonism, for just doing whatever feels good, whatever they want to do. And they don't fit. They don't fit. That's, too, that's being two-faced. That's being hypocritical. Saying one thing but doing another. And, and God has a place for the hypocrites. And he describes in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now hell is a really big topic. But I got I to take a moment to remind you we, we teach a lot about the grace and the love and the mercy of God. And we won't stop teaching on it because it's amazing. We won't hold that back because we, we believe that it's the, most, it's the most attractive, beautiful thing about, about our faith is that he's, he, he has given us something that we could never, we just sang it, we can't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn his grace or mercy. And so it's something to celebrate. And, and God has this plan for you, not just to keep your head above water, but he's got a plan for you. Uh, I want to be careful here because there is this dangerous territory of, of um, prosperity preaching where he's got a plan for you to thrive and everything's going to go well for you. That's not always the case. Sometimes life is hard even when you love Jesus. But just as God has a plan for you that is good for you, 
the enemy has a plan to kill you in the most painful, brutal way imaginable. And he doesn't just want to kill you. He wants to drag all of your friends, all of your family into hell, into death with you. And you've probably seen it. The effects of your own decisions, your own negative decisions, they are affecting and they're dragging down, they're making the life more of a burden on, on those you're, that you love. And that is the plan of the enemy. That is exactly what he wants for you. He wants you separated from God. He wants you dead. And he wants you to bring as many people with you as possible. That's his goal. So there are two competing plans for your life. And make no bones about it. Just as God's plan will walk you into an eternal relationship with him. We call that heaven. And heaven, I, I, there's, there's a, a, a whole strand of study on heaven. And I am such a novice at it. I, in fact, I'm a little bit uh, immature in that respect where I was just like, I've seen the good stuff that God does. And so when he tells me that heaven's going to blow my mind, it's going to be better than I can ever imagine, I trust him. I've just been spending a week here on earth looking at his creation. It's ridiculous. You, we were all excited about seeing seals, sea lions, otters, and things like that. But you look under the surface, of the, I didn't know that kelp crabs were a thing. And so now I can't not see them. We're, we're floating over the kelp and there's these crabs everywhere, these urchins and anemones. And he's a, a, a beautiful creator. And he doesn't do things halfway. He doesn't make trees like these pipes that exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen. He makes them of different varieties and and beautiful, like some changed leaf color and, and some grow. We stood, Carly and I stood in front of one that would have taken up probably at least this whole section all the way around. It's gigantic. He is a good God and he's got a plan for us to be with him in this perfect place. Looks a lot like Eden. But make no mistake, there is a place that is also eternal that once we're there, there is no backdoor route to be saved. It is final. It is forever. It's described as the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's, it's that, that feeling of hopelessness, of brokenness, and, and maybe you've experienced it in a fashion. Maybe you've hit a low point before. This is an eternity of that low point and maybe lower, I don't know. But it is, there is no hope because there is no God. There is no hope of God. There's no hope of salvation. It is complete lostness. A place of weeping, perpetual weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is Jesus in his last days. I'll, I'll invite the worship team to come back up here. Um, this is Jesus in his last days. This is what he felt was important for his people to know. Because he's demonstrated the love of the Father. He's demonstrated his grace and his mercy. He's lived it out. He's been a living demonstration throughout his life. But he needed us to know that this isn't something that we should treat lightly. Grace and mercy is free. Okay, the, the word says... 
The wages, we talk about this all the time, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And sometimes when we see something as free, it cheapens that, that gift. But when we understand the price that was paid for us to have that grace and mercy, we realize there's nothing cheap about it. Jesus literally gave his life for us so that we could have that grace and mercy. And it's so that we can be saved from this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, an eternal separation from God. I've got a little bit more to say about that, but let's sing this last song together, and then I'll, I'll wrap up. Amen. Have a quick seat. Okay, I want to kind of tie in um, the kind of a similar way we, we, we like to finish here with an invitation. And I want to tie it into what we just taught. The invitation is not an invitation from me. I have no powers to take out a sword and knight you and now you are here by a Christian. I can't make you, I have no certificate for you. I have no power to save you. So the invitation is from the Father. And he says to you, I want you to follow me. I want you to be my child. I want you to be... And, and when you're the child of a king, you are an heir to the throne. You are a prince. You are a princess of God. And it's an invitation into the family. And it's like God is watching us walk because the enemy's kind of escorting us to hell, to death, to that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He is taking us to the most painful, horrific death that, that we can have. And we're walking that way and Jesus is saying, please come this way. I've got life. I've got hope. I've got a, a, a relationship with me, the God of everything. And that is the invitation. So when we, when we put that out every week. It's not an invitation from David or from Northridge Church. It's an invitation from God to become his child. And we describe it this way. First of all, is to understand that you are on a pathway to hell. Because honestly, if you don't believe in hell, you have no need for Jesus. If you don't believe that there will be a time that there is a final time, a definite time of decision where you're either with him or against him, where you're, where you're walking away from him or you're walking alongside him. If you want to, or if you're able to admit that you are walking this way, that you are a sinner, that you are broken, that you are incapable of, of saving yourself, that's the first step. The second step is huge, is to believe that the only way that we can be saved, the only way that we can experience God's grace and mercy is because of what Jesus did on the cross. He did all of the work. Yes, the third part is a, a behavior change. It's a commitment to following Jesus. We can't just say, I believe that Jesus can save me and then carry on with our life of sin. We are going to sin. Make no mistake about it. You're going to stub your toe and you're going to drop that F-bomb. You're going to drive too fast. You're going to do the stupid things. You will sin again, but God has paid that price. 
but he wants us to follow him. He wants us to walk that way instead of saying, okay, yeah, thanks for saving me, and then walking straight to hell. So it's admitting that you're a sinner. It's believing that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he paid that ultimate price so that we could experience God's love and mercy. And then committing, see, committing to following God as the king of our lives. And our lives should look different. Our walk should look different. We shouldn't be listening to the enemy. We shouldn't be following his seductive ways, drawing us back into death and separation from God. We should be committed and disciplined to following him. And it's not our discipline that saves us. It's the work of Jesus that saved us. Make that clear. But the commitment, I, t I tell you guys, following Jesus will lead you to places that you couldn't have thought of on your own. Again, they're not always easy, but they are so full of purpose and full of hope. And, and that's what he has for you. And so I want to put that invitation from God out to you right now. If you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes. If you're ready at this moment to admit that you are a sinner, that on your own, by your own choices, you're, you're walking towards hell, if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, the only way to the Father, and that he is the one who paid the price for your sins so that you could be saved. And if you are ready to commit your ways to following him, I just want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. Awesome. Okay, you can put your hand. Let me tell you something that just happened. And now some of you I know have raised your hands uh, on different occasions, and you don't have to. But if you're, if you're making this decision just even for the first time, um, in fact, have a look at me right now. I'm, I'm going to talk to you, and then we'll close in prayer. Um, you don't need to wonder where you're walking right now. There is no, and we make the joke sometimes, this is not an application process to perhaps maybe fit into Jesus' club. When you decide to follow him, when you believe that he saved you, and you're walking with him, it's instantaneous. Now, what's the enemy going to do? What's the devil going to do? Who's just about to lose you? You were, you were his. You're walking to death. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to whisper to you now. No, no, no. That's, it's, you can't get to heaven that easy. You didn't do anything. You're too awful. You're too evil. Your, your past is too dirty. That is what the enemy wants to say to you. He's going to tell you about how and why you are unworthy. And the truth is, yes, you were unworthy, but Jesus made you worthy. Because of what he did, we are covered in the blood of the Lamb. When God looks at us, he sees the work of Jesus in us. He doesn't see our history. He sees who we are under. It's almost like he's got Jesus goggles, and he looks at us, and it's like looking at his son and he loves us. So I just want to encourage those of you who put your hands up, don't wonder for a second. Do not listen to the voice of the enemy when he says, no, you're not really saved. There's more. There's got to be more to it. There's got to be another level of accomplishment or something. You have been saved by the power of Jesus Christ tonight. What's the date? August 5th? August 5th, 2023 is your new birthday. You are a new creation, and you're walking, following the king. All right. With that in mind, I'm excited about seeing you guys tomorrow. Um, there will be Timbits, so you want to be on the first bus tomorrow. 
Um, and then you also want to be on the last bus leaving and come with some donations for the Spanish service. They're making tacos. It's going to be epic. It'll be amazing. So come ready to be fed in the morning and the afternoon and roll out of here. And then we will see you then. Be blessed. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for Saturday Night Life. If you want to learn more about this ministry or if you want to talk to somebody about what you heard on this podcast, please email us at snl at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.